begin, please. Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans, the eighth chapter. Um, the Word of God is rich. Amen? You ever, uh, you ever bite into like a dessert that you haven't maybe, something you've never tried or tasted before? And, um, and it's just really rich. Do you, do you understand that concept, man? It means there's uh, probably 2,000 calories in that bite you just took, right? It was, it's, 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 it's got a, a lot packed into it. Maybe a lot of sugar, a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of butter, you know, a lot of good. Amen. And, and so we say, man, that's really rich. You know, and, and I like um, uh, milk with really rich desserts, you know, because you almost need something to kind of thin it a little bit, wash it down with, right? Well, Romans 8 is really rich. Amen. It's, I mean, you, you know, like rich desserts, you, you kind of have to eat on it a little bit at a time uh, to really, you know, appreciate it, to really benefit from it, to really enjoy it. Amen. And I know we've been back to this passage uh, multiple times already. And I really just, before the Lord, inquiring of Him this week about, you know, where do we need to go? What direction did we need to take this morning? I really feel like He led me back to this again. And, and we're going to talk about some things. We Obviously, we'll review some things we've already talked about. We're going to cover some things that we haven't covered yet. But there's a unique perspective to be honest with you, that I've never really considered in light of these verses that I want to share with you as well. So I appreciate you being here and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning about your life. Amen. Before I read this verse, let me remind you that our Heavenly Father, He's the author of your life. He, he created you. There's never has been and never will be another you. Amen. Of all the billions upon billions of people that are alive on planet earth right now that have lived before us and will live after us should Jesus tarry his return, there'll never be another you. Amen. And the Bible says that God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. He's uniquely created you. He's uniquely gifted you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he's for you this morning. He's for you this morning. You were assigned a purpose and given the gifts and grace needed to carry out that purpose. The Bible says in Christ Jesus before time began. Before your mama's mama was ever born, Father God knew you. Long before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, long before you ever lived on this planet. And I think so many times we... we we study the scriptures because we're, we're trying to find some way to do what God has created us to do. We're, 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 we're looking for answers. And sometimes the answers are there, but just sometimes we don't recognize them or we don't know what to do with the answers that we've been given. And so that's going to kind of be um, an undercurrent of, of what we're going to talk about this morning. So um, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse number 1. Aren't you glad there's therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus? Amen. It says this, There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Now, in these three verses we find some amazing truth. But there are three things that we've, we've extracted, we've pulled out of these verses to talk about so that we can then plug them back in and, and the verses and the context of, of what's being spoken of here uh, will not only make sense to us, but will be beneficial to us. Every word that Father God has ever spoken to you, you know, by the Spirit, by His written word, He's spoken with your best interest in mind. Anything He's ever told you not to do, commanded you to do, or commanded you not to do, again, it's not because He's trying to micromanage or control you. He's trying to lead you into His ways of blessing and fulfillment and prosperity. And we have to trust Him like that, my friend. And I, I believe you're there. I, I pray that you're there. I'm confident that you're there, that you realize that that he's for you and not against you. And he's not as Eve, as, as Eve and Adam, as Eve primarily was deceived along these lines in the Garden of Eden. Satan told her that God was trying to keep her from something good, something, you know, he told her not to eat of that fruit. He was trying to restrain her. He's trying to hold her back from something that would make her a better person, something that would improve the quality of her life, something that would, would make things for her family better. And we, of course, know that is not who our Father is. He's not trying to keep you from something that's going to make your life better, but He's trying to keep you from something that may appear on the front end to be good, but would lead you to a place of, of, of distraction and, and discouragement, or if, if not even um, destruction. So in these three verses... The last one where it says, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. This is speaking of the Old Testament law, um, or as, as we like to just simplify it, we say the law of Moses. And the law of Moses was more than the Ten Commandments that we're familiar with. There were a lot more in commands and ordinances. Um, but again, he's talking about those Ten Commandments when he says in verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Let me... We're going to be focusing in on that this morning in the, in the remainder of our time. There's a few things we want to get put in place first. But let me just emphasize while I'm here that the law of Moses was meant to serve a purpose, but not the purpose most people think it was given to serve. And just look at that phrase in verse 3, for what the law could not do. There are lots of things that people look to the law of Moses. Uh, you know, they're looking to obedience to those commandments, hoping that it will do it in their lives. In other words, Let me just, I'll give you one example and then we'll come back to this in a, in a moment. But I'm just feeling the Holy Spirit breathing on this right now. Um, obedience 
to those commandments cannot make you right before God in the eyes of God. They cannot make you righteous. Okay? I'm going to say it again. They cannot make you righteous. But there are still a whole lot of people that think if they can just somehow obey those commandments, they'll make them righteous. So he's talking about things here that the law cannot do, wasn't meant to do, wasn't intended to do. Yet we keep going back to that law and that approach to the Christian life. This, this so simple-minded, Old Testament-based approach to the Christian life of thou shalt not. And, if it, and that if we can just shall not enough that we'll one day be right before God in the eyes of God. We'll one day be in position to be blessed by God. We'll one day uh, be in position for God to do something good in our life, blah, blah, blah. He'll use us, he'll this, he'll that. The law can't do that. And the sooner we come to terms with that, the better. What's the expression, beating a dead horse? You're beating a dead horse if you think the law can make you righteous. Can't, it can't do it. It's impossible. It was never meant to do it. It won't do it. And my heart goes out to so many born-again believers that are trying to fulfill their destiny and Father's kingdom by focusing in on obeying those commands as a means to do that. All right? Now, in these verses, though, we see the law of Moses, verse 3, in verse 2, we see the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So three different laws that are mentioned here. Now, if I just could only make one statement to you today, obviously I'm going to make a lot of statements this morning and I'm going to make a lot of statements tonight. But if I could just make one statement to us today, this is what, amen, I feel like to sum up what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Amen. We are so focused on the law of Moses and fulfilling that law when we should be focused on the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. In the same way that the law of Moses cannot do what we need to to have done in our lives, what it cannot facilitate our, you know, fulfilling our destiny, fulfilling our purpose, living as God intended for us to live, um, you know, doing, living a life that pleases Him. In the same way that the law of Moses cannot do that, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus can. It can. Amen. And it is another classic trick of the enemy to get us focused on things that make little to no difference while ignoring or being ignorant of the very thing that will make all the difference in our lives. Okay, now, let's keep reading here. Uh, verse 4 that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, in us. That word I in there 
is such a small word, but it's so strategically important that it might be fulfilled in us, talking about something inside of you, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In other words, we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. And remember, death means separation. So the wrong mindset is going to separate you from God's best. The wrong mindset is going to cause you to live like an outsider instead of an insider like you truly are. Or as he said to the Ephesians, you're going to live like somebody who doesn't have a covenant when you do have one. But because your mind is set on the things of the flesh, carnally minded, a carnal mindset. Notice the progression here. The more we set our minds on the things of the flesh, the more a carnal mindset, carnally minded means to have a carnal fleshly mindset is formed in us. But the more we, speaking of a deliberate intentional act, set our minds on the things of the spirit, this helps develop and cultivate, even form and forge within us a spiritual mindset. And again, to be spiritually minded, to have a spiritual mindset is life, that word there is zoe, it means the life and nature of God, and peace. This word shalom means every kind of good imaginable in your life. And so notice one mindset separates you from what God has freely given to you, while another mindset will enable you to experience and enjoy it. Okay? Now, in discipleship class, we talk a lot about the importance of foundational or fundamental truths. And we use this example over and over again, but it to me is such an accurate word picture that it, it really I can't come up with anything that's better. And, and that's the idea or the word picture of someone, imagine if you will, someone laying brick or bricks, okay? And uh, a brick mason lays bricks on a foundation, but he has to lay those bricks one row at a time. And you can't lay row 14 until you lay row one, then row two, then row three, because there's nothing to support row 14 until you lay rows one through 13. And once you have those bricks in place, now there's something that we can rest row 14 upon. And the scriptures, the truth of God, the wisdom of God, um, it's, it's, it's established in our lives in that same way. Let me, let, me say that a, let me say that a different way. There are some things in the word of God you will never understand until you have other truths in place to rest them upon. That, that, okay, now that we have this truth in place, we've positioned ourselves for yet another layer, another row of God's truth and wisdom in our lives. And remember, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. We sang about it this morning, whom the sun sets free shall be free indeed. He's, remember Jesus said, come to me, I'll give you rest Learn from me, learn of me, and you will find rest. 
So the idea is that when you're born again, you're made free. When he says shall be free indeed, in other words, free, absolutely free, sure enough. He's saying, I've made you free, but there's still all kind of evidence in your life that says you're not. I've given you rest, but there's still all kinds of things going on in your life that's, that's keeping you in turmoil, that's even maybe causing you to continue to live in chaos. And so it's very easy to say, well, I'm not free because of this circumstance, because of this condition, or I don't have rest because I can't sleep at night, or I'm so troubled and worried about this and that. Notice what he's saying. Come to me, I'll give you rest. Come to me, I'll make you free. Learn of me and you'll begin to enjoy and experience that freedom. Learn of me and you'll be able to operate and, and live in that rest. Are you, are you seeing this? All right. So when, when we talk about these different layers or these different rows, um, Isaiah says it this way. Um, and I'm not just emphasizing, repeating this for emphasis. It literally says line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. So there are certain truths that have to be in place in order for other things to rest upon them. This means the more truth, remember truth's what is, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. In other words, it'll enable you to live in the freedom that you've already been given. It'll enable you to enjoy the rest that you've already become. It'll enjoy, it'll enable you to express the righteousness you already are, that you've, that you already have. Amen. Praise God. I didn't mean to get stuck right here for a minute, but I feel like some of you are like, what? No, again, truth is such a defining factor in our lives. And the more truth we learn from God, that positions us to be taught even more truth. Yes? Okay. Now, with that said, now let me step back because I know some of you are, are not just here. You've been, you've been here for a long time as far as these truths are concerned. Others may be still struggling with this. But I believe until some of these basic truths are in place, you don't really have the context, or let me say it another way, the perspective, that was a word we used a lot in class this morning, or let's just call it the bigger picture. Is that fair enough, the bigger picture? So let me, let me give you some basic truths and the bigger picture, then we'll connect them with these verses that we just read, all right? <clears throat> First of all, God is good. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe he's only good? Amen. Always good. Only good. Amen. I think it was Bill Johnson that said, God is good and he's better than you think. Amen. God is good. He's only good. He is love and light and I love what the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle John. And in him is no darkness at all. Here's another baseline truth. Are you ready? God created you because he wants you. He longs for you. He is not indifferent towards you. I like to say it this way, eternally committed 
emotionally connected, enthusiastically concerned. Okay? Now, do you believe that? You in agreement with that? Can you say yes and amen to that? God created you because He wants you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to love you and be loved by you. And He wants to share Himself with you. He wants to share His life with you. And He wants you to share yours with Him. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, let's, let's expand this list a little bit. He wants to share His love with you. He wants to share His life with you. I could show you multiple verses for every one of these. I'm just going to go through them, though. Again, all this line upon line, biblically established. He wants to share His love with you. He wants to share His life with you. He wants to share His nature with you. His grace. He wants to share His grace with you. He wants to share His glory with you. And I know that's like fingernails on a chalkboard to the really religiously minded. But read John 17. The same glory that Father gave to Jesus, He has now given to you and me. Brace yourself now. He wants to share His throne with you. Does it not say in Ephesians 2 that we're seated together with Him in heavenly places? Does it not say in Romans 5, those who've received the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace will rule and reign in life through the one Christ Jesus? Not only share His throne, but share His power. This would be His dunamis in the Greek. This would be the explosive miracle working power. He wants to share His authority with you. Again, this would be in the Greek what's called exousia. It's delegated authority. He wants to share His faith with you. His wealth with you. He wants to share His joy with you, His peace with you, His rest with you, His wisdom with you. And the list goes on and on. Now again, I'm feeling compelled to jump a little bit ahead of myself. But when we talk about the means by which all of this is possible, experienced in our lives, the law of Moses can't do that. Did you hear me? The law of Moses can't do that. The law of sin and death written in your flesh is opposed to that. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, amen, is how, it's, let me say it another way, it's, it's the means by which Father God has made all of this available to you and me, made all of this possible for you and me. Now, just a couple more things. Two words, conduct, condition. Conduct, condition. It concerns me that if you ask the average person, what does it mean to live the Christian life? Both believers and non-believers alike 
more times than not will give you some conduct-related answer. They'll explain to you the Christian life is, is about what you're, what you're not supposed to do and what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to commit this sin. You're not supposed to go to this place. And then you're supposed to do these list of things. And that is how so many people characterize the Christian life. I'm certainly not asking you to shout it out to me this morning, but I'm asking you to pause for a moment. If someone was to ask you in three sentences or less, tell me what it means to live the Christian life, how would you, how would you answer that? What would you tell them? How, how would you explain to someone in a very concise way what the Christian life is all about? I pray, especially those of you that have been here at Heritage for a, uh, an extended period of time, that somewhere in your answer, you would talk about the love of God and you would talk about relationship with Him and communion and fellowship with Him. Are you, you see what I'm saying? Amen. But so many people, they explain the Christian life in terms of conduct. My friend, Jesus bled to death on a cross to improve the condition of your life both on this earth and in the next life that is to come. Father's primary concern, for those of you in the room who have children, certainly we are, we are uh, concerned about our children's conduct. If you have small children, you want them to behave at school in children's church this morning. If you, if you have um, small children, you want them to... Uh, be polite uh, and respectful of, um, of, of, of people and others, especially older people. Um, you know, raised here in, in, in Alabama. Um, if you look my age or older, I'm more than likely going to say yes, sir, and no, sir, to you. And yes, ma'am, and, and no, ma'am, to you. And um, it's very hard for me um, to... Uh, uh, to call someone older than me by their first name. Amen. Because this is, these are the, the, this is the kind of conduct that my parents instilled within me. And just quite frankly, I, I think we could use some more of it in our world today. But that's just my opinion. Amen. But again, as a parent, I'm certainly um, interested in, in the right kind of conduct for my children. But what I'm most interested in is their condition of life. What, I'm, what I really want to see from them and, and in them and for them to experience a, a certain quality of, of life and, and for them to be blessed. And there's not, a, there's not a parent among us who hasn't sacrificed in some way your conveniences so that they could have a better condition in life. Am I right about this? That's a heart of, that's a, heart of a parent. As a matter of fact, I believe that that in the heart of every parent is a desire for our children to have a better quality of life than what we enjoyed. And that's true if, if you had it really good growing up in life. <laughs> and it's true if you didn't. In other words, it's not just, well, man, I had a lousy childhood. I sure want my kids to have better. No, you could have had an awesome childhood and you still want your children to have better. That's woven into us because that's the heart of our Heavenly Father for us. 
Amen. So it concerns me when most people define the Christian life by terminology associated with conduct instead of terminology associated with condition of life. Jesus didn't say, I came so that you could toe the line. He said, I came so that you might have life and that you might have it in overflowing abundance. You follow what I'm saying? He, obviously, our conduct is important. But I'm convinced the only reason Father God ever has anything to say about our conduct is because our conduct has so much influence on what He is the most concerned about, and that's our condition of life. How about this one? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. That word exalt there means raise to a condition of prosperity, honor, and dignity. This is the heart of your heavenly Father for you. It's the heart of my heavenly Father for me. Now, when we do not understand the things that I'm telling you right now, it places the Ten Commandments in the wrong light in our lives. We become obsessed with the commandments. We become obsessed with, with dotting every I and crossing every T and, and, and even to the point of pride in our lives, which is the manifest presence of the enemy. It's the nature of the devil himself, pride. But we even become very prideful in our obedience. Now, last statement along these lines, but just to make it clear, Father God is trying to find a way to help you, to heal you, to restore you, to bless you, and to prosper you. Do you believe that's His heart for you? Okay. So, the fundamental questions then that we need to answer are these. Are you ready? Can we just, I know this is a little different this morning, but this is how the Holy Spirit showed me to do this, and I'm doing it to the best of my ability, exactly how He showed me to do it. The fundamental questions that we need to answer are these. While on this earth in the flesh... Now, let me, let me stop right there. You do understand that on this earth in the flesh is a unique season of your existence and that it will not always be as it is right now. Now, this may be a surprise to some of you. To some of you, you, you learned this a long time ago, Okay. We're going to heaven and we're going to have a good time there. But we're coming back to this earth. But this earth will not be as it is right now when we come back. Nor will you be like you are right now when you come back. Because when we come back, we'll no longer have a flesh with the law of sin and death written in, in every cell. Okay? In our members. 
we will have received a glorified body that is comparable to the born again spirit that's already inside your earthen vessels, your physical body right now in this room. So when we come back to this earth and we're coming back, it will not be as it is right now and you will not be as you are right now. So we are in a very unique bracket of time. And as brief, the Bible says it's but a vapor. As brief as this bracket of time is, how we handle it and what we do during this brief bracket of time will have tremendous impact and tremendous determination on how we spend the very lengthy, also known as eternal, next season of our lives. Are you still with me? Okay. So that's why these questions begin with, while on this earth in the flesh, how? How do we live the way God intended for us to live? How do we live the way God intended for us to live? How, while on this earth in the flesh, how do we experience the quality and condition of life He created us to enjoy? feel like I need to, I'm wanting to get through this, but I'm wanting to make sure you understand what we're saying here, right? I think, I think we all agree that Father God created us to live in a specific way. Am I right about this? Also known as the life that pleases God. The Bible says there's a way that seems right, but it leads to death. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. We were created, designed by God to live our lives according to a very specific way of life, a very specific way of doing things, a very specific way of living. How, again, here's the question, while on this earth in the flesh, how do we live the way God intended for us to live? Remember, the Apostle Paul said that he knew to do good, but couldn't find within himself the ability to do it. In other words, this is the problem with the law. The law tells us the kind of life that God intended for us to live in the sense of these are the things that He, he intends for us to not do. But the law, of the Old Testament law, does not do anything as far as giving us the ability to fulfill that. That's why He says what the law could not do, God did, the God accomplished for us. So again, three questions, they're broad questions, I understand that. While on this earth, in the flesh, how do we live the way God intended for us to live? How do we experience the quality and condition of life He created us to enjoy? My friend, Father God is not pleased when we're suffering. He is not pleased when we're struggling financially. He is, I don't, when I say He's not pleased, I don't mean He's mad at you. It's, it's, it, it doesn't bless Him for, for you to be struggling financially any more than it would bless any parent in this room for your own physical children to be struggling financially. Are you understand what I'm saying? It would not bless me one bit to hear that Bethany's car got repossessed. 
I would not be pleased to hear that. doesn't mean I would be mad at her. You know what I'm saying? But I, that, that's, that's not pleasing to me as her father. What's pleasing to me as her father is, is, is to see the ways of God, the wisdom of God working in her life, producing the same prosperity in her life and family, her and Jake and, and, and Oliver, now that the wisdom of God has been producing in, in mine and Pam's life. Amen. That she experienced as a, as a, as a baby, a, a toddler, a child, a teenager, young adult, growing up in my home. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying here? This idea, and I guess this is what I'm trying to emphasize as well along the way, um, even if we had it in us to obey those commandments and, and somehow you know, you know, do every single thing that God commanded uh, people to do in the Old Testament, this is still a far cry from the life that He intended and created us to live. Because it's not just about not doing a list of things. Are we to really believe that God went to all this trouble to create the universe, create galaxies, create our galaxy, create our solar system, create our earth, put us on this earth just so He could boss us around and tell us what not to do? So the third one is, while on this earth in the flesh, how do we fulfill our God-given purpose and destiny? So again, let me just go back over them really quickly. I know I'm about out of time for this morning. While on this earth in the flesh, how do we live the way God intended for us to live? How do we experience the quality and condition of life He created us to enjoy? How do we fulfill our God-given purpose and destiny? Can we once and for all come to the conclusion that obeying the Old Testament law commands is not the answer? But if you have a conduct-first mindset to living the Christian life, you will always be improperly focused on the laws of Moses instead of the very thing that Father God has placed within you to enable you to fulfill all three of these areas. Now, maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm feeling compelled to do this right now again. So just thank you for being patient with me as, as all this is unfolding tonight, this morning rather, and then later tonight. But there's something that we need to, we need to go ahead, if you haven't admitted it or not, we, we need to go ahead and admit it. And that is the law of Moses appeals to our flesh in the sense that our flesh will recognize those things as a challenge. But we mentioned this a moment ago, it also appeals to our flesh in the sense of pride. And this is, this is why the Bible says salvation is by grace through faith, by faith through, by grace through faith, faith receives what grace has already given. By grace through faith, amen. Not of works. Are you hearing me? Not of works. Who knows what comes next? Lest any man should boast. See, we're always looking for something we can brag about. We're always looking for something we can point to and say, hey, look at me. Look at what I've done. It begins when we're, when we're kids. 
I can still remember on, on top of the slide wanting my mama to watch me go down the slide. And she was over there talking with the other parents, you know. And, and mom, mom, mom. The only problem with that is there's 38 kids on the playground all hollering mom. You know, mom, mom, mom. Dare I say it. Brenda. Oh, I got her attention, Michael. I'm not sure it's the attention I wanted, but I got it. Amen. Because we, we start when we're very little, right? Wanting to be noticed, wanting to be recognized, wanting to be patted on the back. See, this is one of the, one of the problems with, with this uh, law-based approach to fulfilling God's purposes and destiny for our lives. It, there's something about it that appeals to our flesh, which in turn appeals to our pride, which in turn appeals to our independence. I call it a, a do-it-yourself mindset to, towards righteousness, right? It's like, well, I, I, I can do this myself. I can obey these commandments myself and make myself right before God in the eyes of God. So we've talked about the law of Moses, the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We've talked about these three in, in the context of knowledge and familiarity. In other words, what you know about them and how familiar you are with them. Okay? I taught on some of these things in Coleman on Thursday morning. And, um, and I asked the men, there was, I don't know, about 80 men in the room. And I asked them, I said, uh, how many of you have ever even heard of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? In a room full of 80 men, three raised their hands. Never even heard of it. Never even heard of it. How many of you have heard of the law of sin and death? Again, the same folks. How many of you have heard of the law of Moses? Almost 10 commandments, almost every hand in the room went up. See, we have knowledge of the law of Moses. We have familiarity with the law of Moses. And because of that, there's still this, this emphasis that we tend to place upon those commandments. We tend to, to be focused in on those with this idea that if we can just obey those commandments, we'll be right before God. If we just obey those commandments, we, we'll be blessed by God. If we can just obey those commandments, God will be pleased with us. If we can just obey those commandments, God will give us miracles and he'll do this for us and he'll bless us and he'll prosper us and all these other things. No no, 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 no. Let me tell you how, how much, a, how genius God is, right? Because he created us to live our lives in a certain way. Because he created us to enjoy a certain quality and condition of life. And because he created every one of us with a specific God-given purpose and destiny. What he did in the new birth is he put all of that on the inside of us. He put the life he created to live you to live in you. He put the ability to live that life in you. He put every good thing that, that is in him in you. And he put purpose and destiny in you. It's all in you. I'm not, I'm not trying to confuse you this morning. It's every bit of it is already inside of you. It's not on the outside of you. It's on the inside of you. If you're looking for the life God created you to live on the outside of you, you're never going to find it out there. If you're looking for the fulfillment that only comes from living the life that he created you to enjoy the quality and condition of life that he created, it has nothing to do with how much money you do have or do not have in the bank. Amen. It has to do with what he's put on the inside of you. Even your purpose and destiny. If you're looking to find that in other people, my friend, it's not in anybody else. It's in you. Amen. 
And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is how you tap into what he's already put inside of you. Right? Singers, musicians, would you please come? Amen. Acting upon the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus should be our focus instead of trying to live up to the external standards of the Old Testament law. Acting upon the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will enable you to obey the commands and live righteously by releasing the power that resides inside of you to do it. Did you hear that? All of these things that we know we should do, all of these commandments that we know we should obey, and then you go from there to being led by the Spirit in your own daily walk with God. Remember, the same Bible that says, Thou shalt not kill also says, If you know to do good and don't do it, to you it's sin. The power to live the life that God created you to live is inside of you. Amen. And understanding how to act upon the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will release that power. It will release that blessing. We're going to look at it tonight, but the Bible's very clear. The law of Moses is powerless to release the blessing of God in your life. It's not, it's not how it comes. It comes from what already resides inside of you. Amen. Before we were born again, you could dig as deep as you wanted to dig inside of yourself. You're not going to find anything there to help you. But now that we've been born again, everything you need, every spiritual blessing, all things that pertain to life and godliness, and we could go on and on, even the kingdom itself, he's placed in you. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, my prayer this morning is very simple. And that is that you would help us by your Holy Spirit shift from this approach to the Christian life that's externally focused in nature on a list of thou shalt not, Lord, to our focus being upon the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus on the inside of us. Father, that you would, you would show us, Lord, how to not set our minds on the things of the flesh, but to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And in so setting, Father, activate, act upon, release the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and all that is involved in that, Lord, within every born-again believer in this room. Father, sometimes when we tackle subjects like this, I feel so, Lord, 
like we haven't even scratched the surface, Lord, that there's so much here. And I'm not sure, Father, that we've done it adequate enough, Lord, to, to explain it. But I'm not going to go by what I feel this morning. I'm going to go by what I believe. I'm going to go, Father, by, by what I know, Lord. And that is, unless your Holy Spirit reveals this to each one of us as individuals, Father, then we'll never see it. We'll never grasp it the way it needs to be seen and the way it needs to be laid hold of. But, Father, I thank you today that you have taken things that are so complex, things that are so beyond the scope of the human mind to comprehend, and you've made it so simple for us. The deliberate, intentional act of setting our minds upon the things of the Spirit. Father, it sets in motion so many indescribable eternal, spiritual things in our lives, Lord. It's as simple as flipping a switch. Teach us how to flip it, Holy Spirit. Teach us how to flip that switch. Father, I pray for those that are in the room this morning that are sick in their bodies, Lord. I release healing. Father, for those that are struggling, Lord, in 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 areas of their emotions. Lord, I release the joy and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, in this room this morning. Father, our answers are not on the outside of us. Our answers are already on the inside of us. Help us, Lord, learn how to tap into your joy, your peace, how to tap into your wealth, your glory, how to tap into your healing, your power, how to tap in, Father, to your love and to your life. And may your name, Father, be glorified in and through it all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship him for a moment, if you could, please, before we're dismissed. As always, if you're here this morning, you'd like someone to pray with you. We'd be more than happy to meet you here and pray with you this morning. Praise you, Jesus.